Howdy, this is Grant Cole in Houston. This is Rick Collins in Dallas. And I'm Dustin Zare in Austin. Thanks for joining Texas Rugby Monthly. Welcome back, rugby fans. And if you're here and joining us today to learn more about the debacle of the Hawaii bid to the MLR, well, you're in the wrong place, man. This is Texas Rugby Monthly, the new home of Texas rugby news and updates and everything going on within the great state of Texas. On this episode, <laughs> on this episode we'll talk about all the goings-on for the Texas MLR teams discuss the current state of rugby in Texas as it pertains to COVID and actually getting back and returning to play. Fingers crossed a little bit is happening more and more. But first, we want to welcome our first guest to the show. And for those of you that are familiar with Texas Rugby Union right now and follow on social media, you're probably familiar with him. He is a data guru and he's so much more. We'd like to welcome to the show Gordon Hanlon. He is our first guest for Texas Rugby Monthly. Gordon, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. Welcome to my car. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Gordo. Take hey, hey, Grant. Welcome. That's all right. We've all lived out of our car at one point of our lives. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so for those that aren't uh, too familiar with you, Gordon, uh, give us a little bit of a background of who you are. You have a rich history and repertoire of different teams and organizations you've worked with. Your credentials are limitless, I think, right now as it pertains to rugby. But uh, just at a high level, you know, for those listening and watching, uh, who are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, I'm been very lucky in life. Um, so I'm originally from Ireland, and I moved to Texas about uh, actually Thanksgiving 2009. I got involved with rugby there and fell in love with it. And I was involved with rugby in Ireland, but not really at a, in a serious level. Um, I got lucky with an opportunity in South America, and I was there, and I came back, and I just kind of like I've taken opportunities. Um, I was involved with the Texas All-Star team back when that program happened, the county's mm. program in 20, 2014. So I was doing analysis there and that kind of led from one thing to another. And I got to go work for the U.S. women's side. And from that, my coaching kind of kicked off and I got lucky and I got to live in New Zealand and work at the Crusaders for a bit. And, uh, and then back to Europe and did some international rugby and then some amateur slash semi-pro club stuff. Nice. And I moved back, uh, geez, just before COVID hit, actually, just came back to the States. So you, you've, yeah. you've, been, you've been all over, but is, you know, why Texas? Uh, <laughs> well, 10 years ago, I was offered two jobs, one in New York and one in Texas. In New York, they said they'd put me in a hotel for two weeks, and then I'd find my own apartment. And Texas said they'd give me an apartment, a car, and an iPhone for a year. Oh. So... <laughs> I, I'd take that deal too. Yeah, it works yeah. for me. Uh, I think no right now. Yeah. So yeah, that's 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 how I chose this place. Nice. How so, did you end up with Dark? Uh, I actually because I worked at the the Dallas Country Club in Highland Park, and I happened to drive past Lake Highlands one day, and they were playing. Um, so I just I just googled uh, rugby there, and uh, they went to them and got in touch, and that's how it started. Nice. Good stuff. And so, you know, I, I guess you're involved in a lot of different, are you doing strictly coaching now? Um, or, I mean, obviously we know for those of us who are kind of close with the Texas rugby union, you've been doing a series of broadcasts and kind of with data and, and yeah. analysis, what's been kind of the goal for you and how did this kind of come about? Um, you from your coaching and the actual coaching that you're doing. Yeah. So I've been, I've been, I've been coaching. I've been very lucky to work with like Jules McCoy and Rish at the ARPTC uh, for the summer season. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was doing coaching there. And now we're, we're moving into a more uh, performance-based module leading into the fall, which will hopefully uh, will be able to defend our title in the Barbados Sevens in December. So in the ARPTC in the fall, I'm going to do uh, technical coaching uh, and then run, run the analysis uh, for the whole program there. Um, so that's, 
that tied into, uh, I think Wendy was talking uh, to someone that knows me about the fall series and what she was hoping to achieve with the online content. And then someone put my name forward and they contacted me and I uh, came up with the proposal. And uh, yeah, we just, we, we went with that. Well, Fantastic. I won't admit it was not me that put your name forward, Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> I have put your name yeah. forward for other things, but that was not it. Yeah. No, no, I know. It was, uh, I know who it was. So, what are, so what Gordo, are you you've had a, uh, in terms of coaching. So I know you're doing all this data analysis and everything. What coaching mm -hmm. goals do you have for, let's say the next three years? Uh, I'm a firm believer. Well, okay. So the idea would be to uh, be involved in the international uh, level at the 2023 World Cup in France. Gotcha. With and the U.S. squad or with home? <laughs> so it won't. It won't be home. Um, the idea, we're gonna have the, to wait till twenty thirty one for Ireland to win the World Cup under Gordo. No, that won't happen. That that's that's, that's, that's that, yeah, that goal is twenty thirty five. But uh, <laughs> um, no, the U.S. would be nice. I think I could contribute a lot uh, to it. Uh, COVID and the bankruptcy has throwing a spanner in the works, obviously, for a lot of the teams. But no, I'm not. Um, the, the goal is just to, to get the experience and to make a difference at, at a World Cup um, and then to go from there. So, Gordo, thoughts on uh, TRU, Texas rugby, you know, you know, not necessarily rugby nationally, but just in the area, the things that you – see needing improvement things that can be done to improve especially at the coaching uh and data you know analysis piece well i'd say one of the biggest issues is there's no coach development statewide it's just not mm. um and and when you ask about it it's brought up well that's usa rugby hasn't done any coach development and and what i liken it to is like if you go to a steakhouse and you order a steak and your waiter brings everyone else's steak but doesn't bring yours and then disappears and when you ask where he is someone else says oh he's out the back having a smoke you're not just going to accept that and sit and wait so yeah. if if the national body isn't providing us a service and not doing coach development then i think we have to kind of take things into our own hands and and like what i think about locally is I think we've got a lot of great legal minds. We've got a lot of great salespeople, but we really don't have that much imagination. Like every proposal I feel, every, I don't want to generalize, the majority of proposals I see are things in place. They're, they're, they're tweaking current systems. They're, they're tweaking this and that, but, but where's the, where's the real ingenuity? You know, where, where's the disruptive innovation that can actually put something in place that is going to better the membership of male and female, both high school and senior club and, and, and make us, I mean, we're very, everyone's proud to be a Texan. Everyone's proud to be in Texas. But does our rugby live up to that level of pride? It's yeah. a good, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's I, a good question to ask people for sure. Yeah. You know, you take two and a half th teams out of that, out of our state and what does the rest have yeah. disruptive innovation is not exactly something that uh is uh, is uh, applauded or lauded right no it's not something that's awarded in, in this level no. no no but anyway we could talk all day about this and I'll, I'll get in trouble know, for saying, saying things <laughs> <laughs> we've got time <laughs> but, and, and you know okay. i understand where he's coming from because uh disruptive innovation is kind of what's happening right now in, in the league and we'll talk about that later agordo you've you've had a lot of these presentations uh in your back pocket mm -hmm. for years uh you you did the series on uh different attack modules with uh aaron castro uh mm -hmm. you and i have talked about uh all kinds of different stuff what i really like is your what i call your x matrix uh okay. about how you know how a holistic rugby is do you think yep. that is part of your disruptive innovation that you're talking about i think it is but i'm just curious where you're where you think about it as so yeah so we talk about lack of imagination the majority of teams in the state play the same they play varying 
minor tweaks of a one three three one shape. Yeah. Uh, some teams try to play a little bit differently this past season. But when you think about rugby, rugby is an invasion sport. There's only four elements to an invasion sport. It's attack, it's defense, and then the transition from attack to defense and defense to, to attack. Um, and that's the X matrix. So basically you take a piece of paper, you draw a big X in the middle, you put attack on the top, defense underneath it, and arrows either way. And when we start to think about the game like that, then we become less reliant on um, what we see on YouTube or on the internet. And I think that's a big problem is with the coach development. We're, we're, we're teaching shapes and we're teaching uh, drills, but we're not, or it's not being taught how to actually come up with your own um, game or drill or exercise. And, and that was something I did at the ARVTC at, at the summer. I challenged myself um, with the other coach. It was like, you give me three outcomes that you want done from my session. And he just gave me the outcome. And I tried to create a new game or new drill or new exercise that I'd never used before every single time. Now, I will tell you, one or two of them were absolutely terrible and didn't work. <laughs> and even, even me, I was like, okay, okay, ladies, let's just scrap this. <laughs> um, but when you're, when you're constantly pushing yourself and trying to think about the game in a new way based around uh, your core principles, then I think you can develop something that's a lot better than what's actually appearing on the field right now. So you and I have discussed before how a lot of times uh, you either see an attack-oriented team or a defense-oriented team or teams that do both of them okay, but they never really transition well. How do you yep. teach that transition back and forth to that so that the decision-making can be made at the same speed? Um, well, the first thing is you, you, have, you have to train both attack and defense at the same time. And if you have this X matrix, um, what you do is you, you take two things. So let's say we're going to train attack, but you lead into attack every restart or whatever it is through a transition. So you, you have your cross and you basically, okay, we're going to work on this and this. And so for instance, let's say you want to work on um, counterattack from box kicks. So what that would do is you would start that with a loose ball inside a 22 where a team will play a phase or two. They'll get set. They'll go into their systems, into their, their uh, rook location areas where they want to box kick from. And it only takes 30 seconds to set this up. And then they box kick and exit. And what we're really trying to focus on and what we're really pushing on our dedicated practices about is that counterattack from the box kick. Yeah. So we have it's that we have that like perception action coupling where we're we're seeing that we're seeing the flight of the ball we're seeing the 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 blocker lines the chaser lines instead of just setting up a a, a static rock and say hey we're going to box kick from here well not every rock's going to be in the same position so even if you add in that one or two phases beforehand then we have to adjust and, and then we can make decisions based on how many chasers, if they have two chasers on the blind side or they have three, you know, what direction do we go and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, again, so I can, I can talk, I, I can talk about this all day long because yeah, the transition is something that's really important. Do you think that, you know, in my mind, I'd like to try to think it back to the where, where we're at from in the U S in the U S mindset where rugby isn't instilled as young as it is where, you know, in other countries where, you know, New Zealand, Ireland, et cetera, that, people kind of think of it from a defense offense only because that's American football. And that's the mindset that everybody has like, well, okay, we're only going to play defense. We're only going to play offense now. And rather than saying, how do you blend those two together? I think more like punt team. Like hockey in that sense almost. Yeah, exactly. It, exactly. It's more free flowing at like, yeah, like hockey. Exactly. For example. But um, I think, do, you think that, do you think that stems like the mindset currently of American rugby stems from that, you know, the history I, of American football? I think that could be an oversimplific <laughs> oversimplification because if you look at what where the problem stems from, our, you look at our coach education. That's what everything comes back to from my, in my mind. Our coach education, where we, 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 we see these attack shapes. There's articles written about the attack shapes. There's videos posted about all the different... I mean, I, as Grant said, I've done some of them. There's articles and videos done about the different kind of a defensive shapes, whether you want to play like a 14 plus one or 13 plus two. Yeah. There's very little work actually out there 
there's mm-hmm. in, very little information on those on the transitional phases. You know, we see statistics about, oh, okay, all blacks scored X amount of tries and a turnover, but you, how? You don't see what they do. You know, the, the, the oversimplification also is, oh, you just bring in, every time you get the ball, it's a two-pass rule. Just make pass the ball twice. Mm. Well, that's, it's disingenuous. And that comes down to our, our coach education not being, yes, it is technical and tactical, but, but the pedagogical aspects aren't taught how do you create a game plan and that's with my next series with the with with the two of you i'm going to do uh seasonal planning and game plans and and vision and philosophy and stuff like that and how to create uh drills and games and practice sessions but there's that pedagogical s aspect isn't taught you know how do things like the coach looks into the lights instead of the players you know that kind of stuff the simple stuff like that you just don't hear yeah um, and I think that's and most of our coaches can can barely pronounce pedagogical. I know a couple big words. One of the biggest problems that I've seen at least in my short coaching career is that there's there's not a whole lot of um, on the structure to it, right? You go and get your certification, you find a club, you settle in, and you basically coach as you were coached, or you coach as the head coach that you were an assistant under coach and then you kind of slowly start building your own things but there's that that's all the education you have right and there's no there's no extra level of i i can't reach out to another coach or i don't know how to do that or i don't feel comfortable doing that and saying hey can you help me out with doing these things um i don't think there's as much of that because people feel like once they're certified or whatever that you know that that's the end yeah yeah i um i think i sent i think you've seen it grant but i did a a coach development uh proposal across all the levels from senior club down to high school and it's more about it's a collaborative approach and it ties into the idea about creating technical coaches um and let's say you take a city for example and you've got you find eight coaches that want to work together. We're going to make two of them. They're going to focus on defense for a season. Two focus on attack. Two focus on transitions. And two focus on set piece or whatever. Mm-hmm. And just create that collaborative effort whereby we, we draw our experiences from, from the high school to the university game to the senior level to women's rugby. Um, and you do create that collaborative approach. And that's what I think Texas, uh, I think we have an opportunity, especially with the way the state is laid out and how there's a lot of great rugby people here. Um, we could create three or even four like areas of excellence. You know, if I'm up in Dallas, for instance, same for you, Rick. I mean, Dallas could get together and we could have our own little coach program. Austin could put one together. Um, And then end of season, you know, we can all, we can all see how it works and, you know, how we approach things and we get together. And and like, if you're going to do the TRU, um, well, it wasn't the AGM. What was the the TRU summit? Summit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you have people approaching that summit with a full ten or eleven months body of work behind it. Yeah. So then yeah. we get then we get the coaches to sit down and let's say we take the attack coaches from Dallas, they they sit down with the attack coaches from, from Austin or even the defense coaches, it might be even better saying, Hey, this is how we were trying to attack. This is what they do at Super Rugby. They say this is what we were trying to attack, and then the defense coaches go, Okay, this is how we were countering it. And then everyone, it forces you to get better because you can't rely on the same old systems season in, yeah. year in, year out. Yeah. Do, do you kind of have, yeah, kind of on, on that, you know, talking about, you know, this is how you attack, this is how, you know, you counterattack, you know, counterdefend. Do you have plans further on? I know you said you've had another series coming up, but do you have plans to work with, any of you know the senior level teams in Texas, as well as any of the MLR teams in Texas. <laughs> what what like? um, and can you say? <laughs> yeah, no. So I'm working. I am definitely going to be working with some senior teams. We do some work here in Dallas. Uh, we're looking at doing a senior men's club, a women's university side, a possibly a men's university side, and then helping out with high school as well. So that'll be, um, I'll be based in Little Rock uh, starting next week. So I've got quarantine there and then go into the bubble after COVID tests and stuff like that. 
Um, we'll just leave that at that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is yeah. there anything you wanted to finish with to kind of, uh, you know, tell our listeners um, about what you're going to be doing going forward as, as far as TRU goes? Yeah. So this, uh, we didn't really talk about it actually. The, the TRU did a series about uh, analysis and, and the use of technology and for everything from recording games to uh, doing creating preview documents and stuff like that. And it was just something I thought that, you know, I haven't seen before. Yeah. Uh, uh, not just in Texas, but at a national level. I've seen bits and pieces, and you see people talk about certain aspects, but to put a whole series together, I thought might be interesting. Um, I don't know if it is or not. And I know some, <laughs> yeah. some of it's very it boring. At 300 and something views, so you're, I don't know. you're, you're up there. Yeah. I think that's one thing that we lack in in rugby in general right now is kind of the data aspect like i'm a data junkie like i just i love data. like it, the, yeah I'm in, I'm in marketing so data is my life um but i think one of the things that we do lack in general in american rugby is data and access to data and the fact that you are putting that out there and, and for those that want to go watch it it's on the tru's facebook page or tru's website so go check those out we'll post those links on there too um yeah. That way you can go watch Gordon. But I think it is important. And I think that as, as we continue to grow in the U.S., the Americans love sports data, like facts. Oh, my gosh. Like we are we are known throughout the world for being like huge on facts. And I think that's one thing that rugby has lacked recently is that data and sports statistics that will help drive that interest. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing is a lot of the uh, top teams actually come to the U.S., to learn about statistical analysis <laughs> and, and, and they find their mathematicians, the North American sport, mathematicians. Probably. Yeah, yeah no, they're, they're not, not coming from rugby, but from, from other sports. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the idea was, I mean, it's not a definitive, this is what you need to do and this is how you do it. It's more, it was around idea creation. And it, like, I tried to, um, uh, I tried to do three tiers to every video. So, hey, if this is if you're in a limited budget, if you are hoping to be at an MLR level or under, understand the MLR, this is possibly what this is what's possible. Um, uh, and then take it down to if you're, you are at your club level or if you're at, let's say, a, uh, a high performance university level where they have access to more resources or you are yeah. one of the the top clubs that has some. So I tried to do three tiers and, and tried to make it as simple as possible. And, you know, you basically like a menu, pick and choose what you like. Yeah. Um, it all, all kind of works together, but yeah. Or what like that's great. And you said that just uh, to kind of wrap up here, the next series you have coming out, do you know when that starts and what, and kind of let everybody know what that, that topic's going to be? Uh, so no, I'm putting some ideas together. It was only a uh, decision was made today. So I'm probably going to look into, uh, as a coach, I mean, how your, your, your vision and your philosophy impacts your seasonal planning, uh, your game planning, and then the, your, your practice planning. Um, and then we'll look at some, again, to speaking of this more kind of data stuff, but I'm going to also do is an episode about uh, uh, players. So your your player positions and profiles and, and relationships like like for instance something I've done in a lot of places is hasn't been done I haven't done it here yet but like if you were to hand a sheet of paper to a number nine and say hey what are the three or four most important positional relationships you have on this pitch mm-hmm. and they're like uh, number ten and like yes so now I want you to write out everything you have to do for them to be successful. And I want you to write out everything they have to do for you to be successful. Yeah. And then you do that for three or four um, positions. You get the whole team on board and then you see what, what cross pollinates. You know, if the 10 thinks nine needs good distribution and fastball and the nine says, I need good distribution and fastball. Well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's set in stone then, you know, it's, it's an easy, this is what you said you'd do. This is what he needs. It's, Look at it's Gordon with the right goal now. conflict management. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that I think that that'll be something interesting. And again, I'm I'm trying to I was trying to do series where all of Texas uh, can learn and be inspired and take some ideas. You know, I mean, 
like like you mentioned that Aaron, Aaron Castro, the earful of dirt, dirt. I did do. I looked into some of the the modern attack shapes like one three two two and stuff like that. But there's realistically there's no point in me doing that for some of the teams that exist here because it's it's just not it's not going to yeah. stick. Yeah, it's not feasible at this yeah. time. Yeah, awesome. yeah. So. Well. Gordon, we appreciate you coming on, man. This is this has been great. We'd love to have you come back right. here in a couple episodes or so and you know, chatting right. more. Um, if people want to follow you and stuff, all your stuff is on TRU. Do you have it on your own personal page or anything that you want to promote? Or uh I do that. Uh, no, it's fine for now. I'll post the links later. <laughs> you can look him up on Twitter like Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah, underscore Gordon. Uh, yeah, I think there's four A's. <laughs> four A's. Yeah, Laura. Okay. Yes, I always wanted to get a. Always wanted. Yeah, I always wanted to get a uh, a husky because they howl. I want to call them Flash yeah. and go ah. <laughs> greatest, oh greatest, my goodness! Greatest theme song of all time, man. Sung by Queen. <laughs> all right, Gordon. Appreciate okay. it. Okay. Gordon, good to see you. No problem. See you, Goodbye now. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. I want to thank you again for continuing to listen, continuing to watch. Really want to thank Gordon for joining us. Man, he's so, he's wicked smart, right? Um, and we'll ever have. What's that? I, right. Like I will never have that kind of knowledge. Um, obviously now uh, we did it last time. We'll do it this time. We're going to go around the horn and and really just kind of give our, our top three things that have been going on with each one of the, the MLR cities, if you will. Um, and then we'll touch base here in a little bit to talk a little bit about the, uh, uh, you know, the status of COVID and the status of rugby in, in the U S right now. Um, won't talk about the, what happened in Colorado and people getting in trouble because that's Colorado. You not just Texas. did. Is that twice that I've kind of thrown a state? Yeah. <laughs> Promotion toward something outside of Texas. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, hey, uh, Grant, let's uh, let's start with you this time and we'll, we'll get you so, kicking off. So my top three are uh, the uh, four re-signings and four signings for the Sabercats, uh, rugby HTX getting into the TRU men's D one competition, a fish, uh, being accepted into it. And, uh, Glendale is the extra team that all of the TRU men's D one teams will be playing this year. So, uh, pretty, pretty exciting there for those three things. If you look at the Sabercats, we've re-signed, uh, Kyle Breitenbach, the uh. ever, the ever beautiful Dewet Roos, uh, yeah. Charlie Connolly, and Tomas Morani. So good re-signings there. Uh, solid hands in the first two. Uh, big hits on Charlie and Thomas Morani. Got that boot that just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you know, then we made a steal. Then we made a steal. Jeremy Leonard's. Wow. How did that this week? I, I, I have no clue, man. It, it, we have no clue how that happened. I, I still don't know. Somebody said that was free agency um, that you guys signed yeah. on social media somewhere. It probably is. I mean, th this late in the year, that's what it's got to be. Yeah, because here's so. the thing. Seattle hasn't. Uh, does Seattle Seattle's still gonna have nothing? They've not, like they're the only one. Like, uh, been, they like half announced. I think through the rant that uh, Matt Turner was going to be a player coach. Yeah, they did, and that yeah. and that. Uh, 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 the other player coach, why, why, is my, why is his name slipping my mind, is not going to be with him this year. Phil Mack. So, Phil Mack, yes, thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, got three other big yeah. signings to talk about for for uh, the Cats. Uh, yeah. Nick Katiashvili oh, from Georgia, yeah. uh, just out of the – fresh out of the Prodata. Uh, Mao Maliepo, which is plays at center, and they, uh, he's a – unit and a half and then the absolute unit yeah <laughs> yeah 
that's gonna be another fun one <laughs> so well it's easy talia vuka is it's i mean it's absolutely vuka and that's a big man i mean that is a really big man <laughs> so, so so uh you know adding leonard's and and talia vuka in there that enables them to actually move brighton breitenbach out to six where he actually excels at yeah. And so when you've got somebody like uh like Luke Beauchamp at uh seven and then Van at uh eight, which I'm hoping Van gets back this year. Haven't heard that he's not. But uh those are that's uh that's a pretty uh, uh explosive uh lock and back row combination. Yeah, I think so. Brighton Box when when he was I mean, of course Austin the first two seasons, mm-hmm. former Hunt, love Kyle, like great kid. Um, I really think he's a phenomenal player. Um, for me, when he was here, playing at 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 six, yeah, that's at six for me. He was he was he, he's brutal. He, he's yeah. he's a problem. Everybody's got to cons- consider. I mean, you go back, you can go look at old Austin videos. Like, there's an Austin video of him literally ball, running the, with the ball and plowing over a guy from Glendale, um, and it was just. Oh, he's brutal. Well, yeah, and, it, and his tackling is through the roof. He's the uh, he's the only person I've ever seen put an Atmalifa hit on Atmalifa. <laughs> I mean, seriously, yeah, that was right. that, it, I watched that match, and that was the same match where Atmalifa ran into Derek Summers and the referee. But uh, <laughs> later on in that match, uh, Malifa tried to come uh, come weak on the scrum, and Kyle just met him. I mean. He turned back inside, oh, wow. and Kyle was there, and it was ugly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, having a full roster. What's that? How close are the SaberCats to having a full roster now? Well, you know, I don't really, uh, I, I, I really, I, I'm not involved in any of that, so I don't know the answer there. Um, I would say that uh, they're probably closer than we expect. Yeah. Um, I know that Rugby HTX, we have a full roster of 39 players. I'll be uh, putting out a press release on that here in about a week or two, awesome. probably a week. Congratulations. And, uh, yeah. Congratulations on getting uh, included for MD1. Yeah. You know, exactly. and, and I got to I gotta give props to the TRU on this. Um, they did a lot of due diligence making sure that we were right for the uh, men's D1 and and – while some people suggested we'd be down in the men's D2 starting there, you know, we're the, it's an academy team, not a club team. So it doesn't operate the same. And it, it, in, in the end, a couple of the D2 teams spoke out what I thought was accurately saying that, Hey, it's not going to be fair to the other D2 teams with this team in D2. Yeah. Because that's not what they're trying to do. And, and it's just not going to be fair, but the D1 teams really need that level of competition. Yeah, and so a lot of them are going to be pool players for MLR teams. Um, well, and yeah, and that's what we're hoping for. I mean, that's our vision, right? Right. Is exactly. is to prepare these players for the MLR. So, but it's a really good mix. Um, we've got uh, five under twenties on the team right now, and true under twenties they can go to the they can go uh, try out for the JAAs this year. We've got a uh, two eighteen year old high school seniors that practice with us. They can't play yet, of course, but they practice with us. And these are not small kids. I mean, they're not small at all. <laughs> they're as big, really. <laughs> they're as big as the guys that are out there, you know, as the other players. So, I mean, we're 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 not talking about some. Uh, some scrawny kids that are, you know, just out there trying to get some reps in. I mean, these, these guys are really putting out. And so it's, it's going to be, uh, as we go forward, it's going to be very interesting. We've got a couple of more 18 year olds that are being, that have asked to come out, uh, while they're still in high school. And, uh, we've got some paperwork for their parents and them to sign off on, but once that's finished, yeah, it's good to go. Uh, again, they won't be playing, they won't be playing in matches with us until they graduate high school, but they are out there training. And that, uh, that kind of training, I mean, when they take that back to their high school team in the spring, that's going to be huge for them. Yeah. Well, that's and that's that's how it grows, right? Yeah. Like when you if you have a high school team and you got kids who are playing at an elite level, um, I would consider that pretty elite level. If you got high school kids coming to play with rugby HDX, like that's you're getting the coaching, the training, the experience, and you're just close to everything else that is associated with the Saber Cats from MLR side. You take that back to your your high school guys, and you know again 
most high school coaches or, um, you know, probably a couple of guys who played some years and just coaching, you know, in, in Texas, and you're going to teach all these other kids, you're going to draw more people in, and that's going to give you the basis that you're going to need to move forward with your, with rugby in general in Texas and the U S. And then how many, I mean, how many, uh, 18 year old, how, how many high school fly hat scrum hats in America have uh, a mentor like Trace Bolstead yeah. who has, uh, you know, two co- collegiate national championship wins under his belt and also has a coach like Taylor, uh, Howden, uh, to help them with their kicking. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, when you, when you it comes to kicking out of hand, Taylor Howding is probably one of the better coaches in the nation about kicking out of hand. Yeah. And so you know, we've got this 18 year old kid who's, I mean, he's making, he's making 15, 20 meter dart passes from the base right now. Um, yeah. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> I mean, it's we, we're kind of excited because this is building on to the next year. And then, you know, we've got a, a lot of other very good players out there uh, that are, it, it, when we, when we're going to put this team together, it's going to be uh, interesting how, how they function well and uh you know we've got a week of practice under our belt everything's been fitness and uh, long distance passing because of the uh because of covid <laughs> restrictions but i mean <laughs> i think they love it because all their passing has been 10 and 15 meter passes all week long i love yeah. that at least they can touch the same ball i mean we yeah were, what a month a month um in the past couldn't even touch the same ball we're like Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> go out and do conditioning drills. I mean, what else? Well, yeah, exactly. that's the same ball. Yeah. You, should, you should smell this stuff that we're putting on there as disinfectant, man. It works. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, I think, uh, no, no, not at all. Uh, so, I and I think that the big thing is, uh, I think the big thing, uh, I, this is a big issue that needs to be considered is TRU Men's D1 has negotiated with uh, Glendale to play each of their teams once in the spring. And that's, I think that's huge because Glendale still has a lot of experience on their team. They're still a very, very good team, even though they've lost a lot of their MLR players to other teams. Uh, That doesn't, I mean, that of course will hurt them, but as a men's D one team, I don't think it'll hurt them at all. And that's a big challenge because, you know, as we've looked over the years, you um, Texas teams, playing once they get outside of texas to play they've always had a you know a difficult time making sure they get those wins and in uh you know in d1 we haven't won the national championship we've had what uh, except for uh, last time was dallas in 1984 yeah you know and that's the stored year of of nas botha being on the team right Mm -hmm. and uh and for those of you who are watching, that was my first rugby game ever to watch live. I was in the Carnegie Library in uh, Bryan, Texas, watching it on Satellite Dish, wow. ESPN, Michelob, the Rugby Michelob, uh, Michelob Rugby National Championship oh, match. Man. Oh, <laughs> Greater those days. Come on, man. <laughs> big sponsor that. What's that? Yeah. Actually, What's having that? a sponsor for that. Is yeah, right. Uh, having a sponsor for it. Give me yeah. for that sponsor. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's, that's like going back to the old softball days that were sponsored by Schlitz and Pat yeah. Blue Ribbon oh, yeah. and all oh, the. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, First that's, ever a live deal is, <laughs> that's a big deal. Making sure we get to still play the the Glen team again. I don't know what they're if they're going to be the Merlins or the Raptors. I just don't know. And then um, I heard that that's possibility of a PRP return next year. Is that is am I hearing that correctly? Does anybody else know? Yeah, I've, I've heard the whispers. Rumor is that the PRP will um, will have some sort of at least a friendly season uh, next year, uh, including the all the old PRP teams, so Santa Monica, Golden Gate, et cetera, et cetera. So you know, and just trying to finish up here, uh, I think the one thing that I'm most excited about down here in Houston is that the uh, Rugby HTX team, not just developing players to be in the MLR. But now we've got a team behind the Sabercats that are putting pressure on the Sabercats. Yeah. You know, this is, hey, these are the guys that want your position now. And, and, and these guys realize that. They realize that that's the goal they're here for. They, want, they know the players. They know in their mind who they've got to beat now yeah. as far as play goes. So I, that, that, that's very important uh, when it comes to team player development and when it comes to teams competing. Yeah, 
I would and say I, that makes it considerably easier for recruiting um, or finding scouting talent uh, for the Sabercats. Is oh, for sure. They don't have to go very far. Yeah. Um, to at least get, you know, a good majority of, of U.S. talent that you're required to have. Yeah. I know. I a good base teams. for other teams, too. Like, this is, the, this is the goal. We talked about it last time. Is The goal for Rugby HDX is you're creating the developmental program that every rugby team should have. Professional yeah. rugby. Professional rugby team. Yeah. And, then, you know, if you look at it, 13 of our players are from the greater Houston area. Uh, 21 of our players are from Texas. You know, so we brought players in from out of state. Uh, we, o- we only have uh, four players on the team that could be considered foreigners, and they're all lawful residents or they're even citizens now. One of them's a dual passport holder. So it's uh, there's none of them. Everybody's U.S. eligible. Yeah. On this squad. That's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, and that's, that's what I think is a big deal is everybody's U.S. eligible. And uh, that's, that's something that we need. Yeah. Uh, that, that's uh, money not being spent on visas, which are becoming harder, not, not just harder to get, but more expensive to, 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 uh, to implement. So yeah. all that stuff is important when it comes to the car. Yeah. Any yeah, questions right. from you guys about, that about rugby HTX. I think I, 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 I know we're trying to like press for time for each one of us, but uh, I think uh, coming up soon, I want to talk about, and I know it was addressed in the TRU discussion is, you know, players going up to the Sabre cats and coming back down being labeled you know, associate players. I think it's, you know, just to, we'll talk more about that another time, but I think that'll be mm-hmm. good to kind of discuss for people who are listening and watching, um, you know, what that looks like. Because yeah, I think there's it's a not, great, great it's area. not as uh it's not as uh it's cut and dried, but it's not as uh <laughs> it's not something that's gonna happen as often as people think it's gonna happen. Yeah, exactly. Their fears about how often it's gonna happen are minuscule. I, I mean the, the chances are just not there. Well, yeah, my time's up, so who's next? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. This as more of these teams start popping up, these, yeah. Uh, and, and I yeah. think that's the worry, right? Yeah, you know what what happens if the Gilgronies and the and the Jackals, you know, in two to three years have teams like this, if not sooner. Yeah, right. I don't I, know. It's it's certainly a goal, I'm sure, for these teams already. It's just yeah. a matter of implementation of it. Yeah. Right? Yep. All right. Well, that, that 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 wraps it up for Houston. Let's go over to Dallas here. Let's go to the best city in Texas. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> you know, they've slowed down significantly in uh, the PR of new players being signed. Um, we had, uh, I think at last count was 16, 17 players on the roster. Um, they just signed another hooker. So if you thought two hookers wasn't enough, they decided that a third was necessary. And they got former Rooney Rooster, Mike Brown. Um, oh, a player, though. Who's a very good hooker. Um, he just wasn't getting much time behind uh, the butcher. Um, I think it's hard for anybody to really get time behind the butcher at this point. Um, although he's getting a little bit, you know, up in up in age, he still looks fit like he was 22. So I, you know, Sickening. it was going to be hard for him to get time there. So we're glad to take him. Yeah, for sure. Um, but does you know we got a little clog there then at Hooker? Um, I'm wondering. I heard initially, actually, that there might be a plan to move Chad to uh, the back row, and I'm wondering if that is actually the case at this yeah. point um, or some other position. I mean, you saw his fitness. He, he took took the ball 95 yards for a try <laughs> in a game running past, you know, the fullback and a couple of wings on the way to it. So yeah. uh, he could do it. Um we also, um, I think the most exciting thing that we had happen uh, as far as signings, so this is my one, is the signings. Um, Kelly Kohlberg of the Reds, who played for Houston Sabercats uh, most recently, and uh, Matt Frings of the Quins, um, who's a recent addition to uh, the Quins, um, but a guy who um, is also a strength and conditioning coach. Um, both of the guys are older. Um <laughs> Grant Kobe, 34, right? Down in Houston. Grant, you're on mute. <laughs> I'm sorry, what did you say? Uh, what did you think of Kelly down in Houston? 
Oh, Kelly was a great addition to the team. I mean, he was wonderful in the locker room, uh, always ready to go. And when he did get out on the field, I mean, most of his uh, – he, he really was eager to get the ball, but most of his uh, his strength was in defense. And you just didn't see anybody get around his corner at all when he, when he stepped on yeah. the field. So, so yeah, I, mean, I think two of the biggest losses to Houston over the last two years is Kelly Colbert and Tim Stanfield. And and I put those two in the in the same in the same uh, same little bucket. You know, they're they're strong and uh, and not known as well as they should be. And yeah. uh, it's it's a it's a it's sad that uh, the MLR kind of overlooked both of them the way they did. Yeah, yeah. Colbert was a national team pool player for a year or two. Um, he's had a lot of injuries, mostly head injuries, over the course of his career uh, because he is an all-out player. Yeah. Um, I know watching him play for the Reds for a lot of years. Um, he started when he was young as well, so he's been playing for a long time. Yeah, he's um, what 30, 34? 34. Yeah, and he's that. probably been playing men's rugby since he was fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> That's no lie. No, no. <laughs> and uh, Frings is, I believe, thirty-one, thirty-two, and people were saying, "How are these development, you know, contracts? They're going to be development players." I don't think the point here is is development of players. The point here is for them to help the Jackals develop players. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to be um, probably part of development coaching going yeah. forward. I, I Both of them have come from a coaching uh, family background. Uh, Frings has been coaching. Um, he's going to be helping uh, me uh, at SMU uh, this year as our SNC coach. Yeah. Um, so he... I mean, he's a guy who can do a lot of different things. Both of them are older. They're probably not going to play for the Jackals unless they're a serious injury. Uh, but my probably more of an associate con- contract, an associate player. Then, they're right? going to help bring in, you know, younger guys and teach them how to be professionals. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, that's going to be the biggest benefit that those guys are going to provide the Jackals going forward. Awesome. Um, also, and if your coach wants the the locker room on your side, Spike is the man to have in your locker room. That's true. So, and yep. then uh, I'll call them signings, community managers. So I, I'm not sure how many teams have community managers, uh, but uh, Alexis Elizondo and Jeff Ackles, um, I actually met both of them uh, when we went up to the Jackals office uh, in Frisco a few weeks back. Uh, both really nice. Um, I think both just kind of getting their feet wet. Uh, but I'll, I'll probably be hearing more from them. Yeah. Um, as being, you know, one of the leads for the Jackal Den, uh, the supporters group for the Jackals. So um, I, I think it's exciting that they are planning in advance to get the community, you know, engaged more with the team. Um, we haven't seen a whole lot yet outside of the marketing blitz uh, because they're a new team. But in terms of reaching out, actually creating some energy in the community, um, I'm excited to see that they're actually, they've hired people to do that. Yeah. So I think, I think rugby, rugby ATL just announced community outreach kind of person too for that. Yeah, is, and that may be a thing that MLR just said, hey, th- this is going to be really important for us going forward. Everybody should be planning for this. We don't have one in Austin. So I, I guess, uh, yeah. <laughs> we need more of that. We've needed more of that. Um, and then <laughs> the other thing was um, the Jackals did eventually sign uh, with the rugby shop to join the rest of MLR. Uh, so that was the second thing. Uh, third thing is just that, um, you know, we're continuing on path. Um, I would say the third thing is actually more of a disappointment than it is a good thing for us right now. And that is there hasn't been a combine as Houston has had. Um, there's been talk about combines for months and, um, I think there's a fear that they may be in, you know, infringing on local statutes, uh, for health and wellness uh, safety by holding one. I don't believe that's the case. If Houston has been able to do it, I don't see why Dallas could not. Um, but I would say a disappointment that we haven't seen a combine, um, and I think that's one thing that could get the energy up and bring more players into the area is by holding a combine. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I, I, they're really holding off on a lot of different things. I know that um, the coaching staff is is rearing to go and, and it's just COVID is killing it. Yeah. I, mean, it's, I think it's the same everywhere. I mean, Austin hasn't had a combine either. I think even well, last year, 
I mean, we didn't have the combine for last year's until November, I think is when we had the combine, if I remember correctly. Um, but again, you know, if you have a combine, if it's scheduled properly, you may get guys coming to the one in Austin, one in Dallas, and maybe another one in Houston if you guys have another one. But it is good to know that Houston did have it too. Right. I, I think it makes sense in the in the long term to have the combines like, uh, you know, part of a three week tour or something. Right. Yeah. Um, each weekend you have a combine at each location um, so that players can go around and show their talents at each city. Yeah, it's going to take some coordination that's not not existing right now. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. There's not going to take care of that. Well, combines aren't that expensive. That's not the no, that's no, no. Not the expensive issue. for the people to travel to each one of those. Oh combines. yeah, yeah. That that is something. That's that's a lot of that's a lot of time. Yeah, people forget here. like how big Texas is. Like <laughs> oh, people in the northeast. There's some comments about like, that on the on the post that we had. <laughs> you could the sun is is the sun is set, and here I is in Texas yet. <laughs> Trust me, I know. But yeah, you know, for for those that are listening and watching, this is not my normal home. I'm not in Texas. I'm way north right now. But it is uh, I, driving out of Texas takes forever. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, any, anything else, right? That you guys got done? Well, speaking of which, um, I reached out to UTEP. Uh, speaking about driving across Texas, um, they're they're in the same situation. So. Yeah. And my understanding is unless you're really out in the boondocks in terms of being a rugby club, um, you know, they're all still, stuck. Right yeah. And, and that's, you know, we, we can touch upon it at the end, give kind of a high level because not much has changed since the, since the last time we, we all met up, but uh, uh, we can talk about that kind of to wrap things up at the end. So cool. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about the Gilgronies. Still, still the best name in rugby. <laughs> are you saying that the guiltinis don't exist yet man i again this is the texas rugby monthly this is not mlr rugby <laughs> this is not california rugby i have just because we are owned by the same mm-hmm. billionaire i have i have no i know that they have they have players they just i don't know um yeah anyway but the Gilgronis have put together a pretty serious back line, it sounds like. Hey, yes, we have. That is part of – that is probably I, – I, that's we'll say that one for a minute. But I do want to add, like, so my, one of my first big thing, um, you know, really is uh, – I was looking at my notes here. Uh, I was really happy to see that um, Zinzan, Ellen Puttick, and, and, and Mason Peterson got, uh, Peterson got added to the U.S. player pool. Uh, Well-deserved. The hitman. At, at tight head man he's he had a great great start of the season um really looking forward to seeing what he can do um he's back for you know this is he and zenny they, they've they've been here since the beginning so it's nice to see them playing um i think zenny being u.s eligible he's a citizen as of last year um again he's got some of the quickest feet in the world uh if you watch him when he runs and he makes cuts uh, he he stepped in really well last year at 10 for us he's not a natural 10 uh, but he stepped in, played the role really well until um, uh, Kurt Marath and Will McGee signed. Uh, so it's good to have him and see that he's getting the recognition that he deserves by USA Rugby for sure. That's that's one of my big ones. Um, got a lot of players. That, Austin did a whole week of like, hey, we're announcing all these players coming back. And there's some that people are like, oh, yeah, I forgot that they actually played for you because they were out injured. Um, so Marcelo Toriaba is coming back. We've got Brendan Rams coming back. He is probably one of the most animated people in all of rugby anywhere. I don't care what anybody says. If you don't follow Brendan Rams, follow him on, on Instagram. It's great. He, you know, he lives up in Dallas part t- you know, right now and he does some training. So Rick, you can go do some training with Ramsey. Uh, so no, not yet. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, Pele Cali. Um, he also is coming back, which is exciting. He's also playing for uh, County's Manicow. Uh, in the Mitre 10, and he got in last week, which is really great. Um, you know, if you haven't watched any of that, uh, because we can't hear in the U.S. because nobody covers the broadcast rights. Don't get me started on that. Um, it's pretty sad, but uh, Pele got in. You don't have rugby pass? What's that? You don't have rugby pass? It's not. It's it's blacked out in there, isn't there? Oh, I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know. I, no, I don't have rugby pass. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have rugby pass. Um, we also, Frank Halai confirmed coming back next year. That's huge. 
Uh, I think last last time we talked about Kurt Morath, like it was mentioned, like nobody really made a comment. It was official. We got com- that was commented on the day after. Like the, the day after. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Way to go! Way to go! marketing it in Austin. Uh, that's okay. You really, but, uh, you, you said it on the podcast. It was like, oh, cats out of the bag. We might as well release it. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've known. Like, Wait, did we <laughs> announce it? I think we announced it. We, we officially announced the Kerber. We unofficially announced it. You know, Dustin unofficially said he's already been in Austin and moved to Austin. And then they got on the podcast and everybody over in Austin was just like, ah, everybody oh, knows. Yeah right. <laughs> um, but one one exciting re-signing that that we did have is um, is Mike is Michael Dewall. Like so, Lindenwood grad came up with Wes White. I know the issue with Wes uh, he's kind of gone on for a while and his eligibility for U.S. and some of the BAE baloney that was associated with that. Um, that was really disappointing to see you know see him not come play. But really excited to see Michael Dewall come back. He he hurt himself at the beginning of the year in training. Um, didn't really get a chance to play. It was in a cast to boot cast it for like the entire you know season so far. Uh, but he's back. Uh, he's he's a force. He's a big kid. Uh, he's young. He's gonna be. I think he's gonna be a good addition to the team. And kind of looking at it now, we've got a solid. You can look at it and put us. I I put it on our on our Facebook page today. You've got a solid fifteen. If you count, which would probably be my second one, the one that we alluded to last time that I couldn't yet confirm, but it's been the biggest, it's been the worst kept secret in MLR, I think. And that's, and it got, it got let loose by the Ohio Aviators um, for, for the Rugby 10s by putting Bryce Campbell as a part of Austin. Um, but I think everybody in there, everybody knew like who's involved in the rugby community really kind of like, Oh yeah, Bryce Campbell's going to play for Austin. Like everybody knew it, but nobody's announced it. And technically Austin really hasn't even announced it yet. Um, so I don't care. <laughs> uh, put it on the board. Yeah. We're putting, you put them on the board. They'll announce it tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. They put their, they put their, uh, I noticed today they put their little uh, 15 up with the shadows. <laughs> yeah. right. <laughs> everybody was shadowed yeah. out. Right. Everybody's shouted out, but yeah, I mean, you look at that. So if, if Bryce Campbell coming in from London Irish, I mean, he he's a USA Eagle. He's played he's played with Will McGee. They played together at um, at Glendale, um, I believe, right? Yes, first yes. season, first yes. season. Yeah, for, I don't know. I can't remember if it was second season or not. Too, yeah. Anyway, they played together, but you know, again, getting a Premiership player to come and play. A, you know, back in, in, in Texas, back in, in MLR is great, builds up the quality level play. So that, that was kind of my second big one. And my third big one is like, if you look at it, Austin has a pretty, it's exciting because in the past, we're like, who is playing for Austin this year? We've always been, we've never known. We don't know who it is. But if you go, you can build a team one through 15 right now. And the back line looks superb. So if you go from nine out, you're going Pele Cali. I, you know, I put Will McGee over Kurt Morath just because Kurt's a little bit older. And I think he's going to be there in kind of that coaching role. So Will McGee um, inside center, if it stays true and Adam Ashley Cooper, the contract was two years and he continues to come back. We sure hope he does. He can play 12. And then you put Bryce Campbell at 13, Frank Halai on one wing and Roderick Waters on the other wing with Zinni at fullback. If you put anybody that can put Frank Halai back on the wing where he belongs, oh man, I think, look you'd, want, I think you'd want Bryce and uh, and uh, Ashley to be switched out. Yeah, yeah, I think you want Cooper out at out at thirteen where he can deliver to Zinni and and the wings. Yeah, and you want Bryce for the crash ball. Yeah, that's that's what I was kind of thinking. I, I just went by based on preference on what they normally play. Yeah, what yeah, he had, they had been playing. Of course, Adam Ashley Cooper plays. Yeah, he played pretty much anywhere. Oh, you're, really. you're sitting here talking about the back line, and I'm just streaming over here that CEO yeah, yeah. and Ramsey are probably <laughs> going to come after you. I know. So, well, I mean, <laughs> if you if you look at, if you look at the pack, right? You've got uh, in that front row, you've you've got you've got Wapa, you've got Ramsey, and you've got you know, <laughs> Larome. What's that? Larome. Well, you got, you got Larome, but I think so. Yeah, so Larome has is coming back, which is great. Like Larome, like great player, but I think that if you look at the starting lineup from last year, um, in that last game, again we had Tion, who's now playing in Houston. Um, uh, but uh, I, but uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. I, I, I try time Tion, but then you have 
yeah, uh, you've got the Hitman, you've got Mason Peterson over there as well. And that that you know the engine room right now is is the CEO, um, you know, Mr. Osberg, and then you've got Cam Dodson, and then you know we have three flankers that we've signed. We, we don't have, we we don't officially have an eight technically that we've signed. Um, I know that um, I, I'm hoping that Lino Sanitoga comes back because I think Lino is an amazing player. I know there was talk of him potentially going to play with the team where he's from, which is the state of Hawaii. Uh, but we're going to talk about that. Um, but I think that you've got Mo Abdominan and you've got Dominique Bailey, who was out injured last year. But if you go back two seasons, I said again, like he's a phenomenal player. And then Domakina. So you put Domakina at eight, and then you have probably the fastest back line, you know, <laughs> back line, back row. And I think, oh. I think Domakina is actually, if he had come to rugby early enough, he'd be a natural eight. Yeah, I, I think it would be too. <clears throat> yeah, but I, I, I think you know, again, maybe that happens. Maybe that's maybe that'll be the plan. Um, really yeah, dynamic be enough to be an eight. Was that so, not dynamic? You no, know, he is. He is dynamic yeah. enough to be an eight. Yeah, and Aquino with his speed, you know, he could be an eight that could drop back into the back three when necessary Absolutely. and be a counterattack strike like that. I mean, he he's just he's such a weapon that any coach that can gets him is going to love him. Yeah, you guys a lot of things to that back three. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and again, if and even if Lino comes back, if Lino does come back, again, still a dynamic, fast, you know, eight that that knows what he's doing. So, um, I mean, I'm excited. Uh, I think the team is. It's exciting to see the quality of players that we have coming back, and the quality of players that we're starting to bring in with CEO, with you know, with Cam Dodson, with uh, with Bryce Campbell. So um, those those are my big ones. Um, just kind of you know, rounding those things out. So for me, uh, it's you know definitely going to be you know Zinni and Mason player pool USA. Congratulations to those guys. Uh, returning players, and then the announcement, well, <laughs> the Texas Rugby Monthly announcement of Bryce Campbell coming to Austin <laughs> <laughs> via, via the Ohio Aviators 10 post announcement and American Rugby News. and get two months in a row now. What's that? And Adam Ashley Cooper official right now. Yeah, right. Let's, you know, let's hope so. I mean, I, I think what we'll have uh, – uh, on on the Austin Rugby podcast, we'll have coming up. Uh, I'm actually going to be interviewing. Uh, we're going to start back up next month, um, but we're going to be interviewing the new coaches, so Sam Harris and Mark Gerard. So they're both they jump on at the same time. Uh, be a lot of fun to kind of ch- chat with them and just kind of get their vision of everything. So we'll see. We'll awesome. have more to talk about next time, then for sure. Yeah, let's let, let's let's hope so. Like more signings. I've heard rumors of other signings in in positions that Dallas has a lot of players in. <laughs> Hmm. The hooker position. I I've, I've heard about it. Hookers. I, I got. I heard that. I I got that. Yeah, yeah you got it. As a reference back. So cool. Uh, so that's that's kind of the wrap up of all three areas. Um, which one of you guys wants to take what came out of the uh, the text the TRU update as of I believe yesterday it came out or maybe today it actually came out officially um, as it pertains to kind of COVID and where we're at with everything. I think we're gonna have to wait until. Uh, what uh what the what the governor and the mayors digested today they put that out and then and and i think that's gonna they've got to determine whether that meets stage three or stage four yeah and uh and where we're going with that so it was a little bit rough and i i think that we're gonna have to wait uh probably a week and and maybe the tru is gonna have to call a quick meeting just to make that determination yeah. But that's something I think is going to happen this week because today I don't think anybody was ready for the governor to come out and talk today. And then no. af- right after the governor came out, the mayor of the five cities, all the mayors in the five cities in Texas, major cities in Texas, came out and gave uh, different rulings or slightly different rulings based on what the governor said. So yeah. that, ha- that happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, there we go. I mean, so, I mean, as of right now, we know that in the TRU, there are what, there are different areas because TRU. So you, you've got, um, right now, uh, officially the TRU f- over in Texas and Oklahoma and Louisiana is still stage three, three and Oklahoma and Arkansas are still stage four. Okay. So, so, I mean, and now we've got this, this announcement came out today, um, on Texas. So, I'm sure that they're going to be looking at that because they were talking about it. Uh, I don't, I didn't see it on the Red River uh, call notes, but they were talking about it early in the call. 
about what to do there. And every, they basically the, the call was put on a hold until the next governor's uh, meeting. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we'll see what, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see what the next steps are, right? And see see what what will be the I don't know. Like I know the Austin Bold, they had people at their stadium at twenty five percent capacity, but they spread them out. I know Texas football games, they they had people in stands. They had eighteen thousand. They're going to have um, fans at the uh, Dallas Cowboys game uh, okay. this weekend. So. I think uh, 25%. So yeah, we'll I mean, see. fans are coming back. Games are being played in other sports, um, mostly sports that bring in money. Yeah. Right. Uh, to be honest. And I think we all know that that's the situation. Yep. Um, I know that also there's thoughts of, hey, let's go ahead and plan for some stuff yeah. late fall, right? And I think October is probably too early, but November, December, let's plan for tournaments to get people back up and going. Um, and then if we have to push them off, we push them off. But yeah. I think everybody's thinking at this point still, um, you know, any kind of um, uh, um, TRU, uh, RRC, um, you know, anything that's going to go to national level, it's all going to be played in the spring. Yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens and and hopefully all ends up going well, right? Like uh, it's, it's easier to... What is it? It's easier to get everybody ready and then cancel than to try to get everybody, you know. Yeah, it's easier to plan a tournament and cancel it than to uh, uh, than to uh, not plan one and have yeah. to, uh, yeah, have to, have to do it real quick. So and yeah, I'm I'm connecting myself into the high school and and uh, youth rugby as well. Awesome. Uh, so I'll give updates as we go forward. Obviously, both of them don't start until the spring anyway. So really, they're just kind of you know business as usual. Yeah, um, but keeping their eye on the COVID system. Awesome. All right. Well, any any last thoughts from uh, from you, Grant? No, sir. Rick, oh, man, I'm ready to see some rugby. I'm ready to play some rugby. We're planning on Old Boys Tournament in December. We'll see what happens. Yeah, fingers you're, crossed. You're in Dallas, so y'all gonna have to come up to play. Well, uh, apparently the uh, Rugby HTX will be playing the Reds as the marquee game that day. Oh, perfect. Oh man, look I'm at excited. that. Excited. So All right. See you there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be it for texas rugby monthly episode two thanks for joining us for grant cole rick collins i'm dustin zare reminding you that you always make each day a special day you know how just by being you and there's no one else in the world like you and people like you just like you the way you are we'll be back next time bye-bye